Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. I'm Stacy, And I'm David. We grew up together in Beverly Hills in the 1980s. Forget what you've seen in the movies or TV shows. We have the real stories about real people growing up in Beverly Hills. Here's a little known fact for you. There aren't any talking chihuahuas. <laughs> Beverly Hills folk drop a lot of names of people and places. We just can't help it. Don't worry, we'll explain it all at the end of the interview in the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Enjoy, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It's time to play Password. Stacy, you'll be giving the clues to David. Now, I'll show you the secret word. Ding. Okay, I got it. First clue. Great live music. Amazing food. Best cocktails. Um, well, that could only be one thing. Vibrato Grill Jazz? That's right! <laughs> Everyone wins at Vibrato Grill Jazz. Stacy, tell them what they've won. Vibrato is located in the Glen Center at the top of Beverly Glen. There's live music every Friday and Saturday nights and at Sunday brunch. Make your reservations at resi.com or at vibratogrilljazz.com. Tell them Growing Up Beverly Hills sent you and say hi to our friend and guest, Eden Alpert, when you're there. See you soon. This episode, we have Katie Wagner on the show. Her mother, Marion Marshall, and her father, Robert Wagner, met when they were both actors under contract with 20th Century Fox. It doesn't get any more old school Hollywood than her family. Katie was a TV host for many years of her life and interviewed every celebrity. She worked at MTV, VH1, the TV Guide channel, and was seen all over the world on Hollywood Report. Katie now lives in Ojai with her husband and son, and now is, works doing ADR and looping. Her family tree is a bit complicated. I think we get through most of it in the show, and Katie explains it. But Before she was born, her mom, Marion, was married to Stanley Donnan, and they had two children, Peter and Josh. And then her father had already been married to Natalie Wood once, but after Katie's mother, he remarried Natalie Wood. Yeah. In between her marriages to Robert Wagner, Natalie Wood had married Richard Gregson, a film producer, and they had a child, which is Katie's sister, Natasha Gregson Wagner. Right. Then Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood had a child together, and that's Courtney Wagner. We had so much fun talking with Katie. She has so many interesting stories. She almost like lived three lives. She grew up in Beverly Hills. Then she was like a Hollywood reporter, interviewer, and now she's living this awesome life in Ojai. So let's hear about Katie and her story growing up Beverly Hills. Let's do it. Yay. Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills, Katie Wagner. Growing up in Beverly Hills, swimming pools and movie stars, right? That's the way it is. So good to see you, Katie. Thank you. You guys, too. A lot of people are very familiar with your father, Robert Wagner, and probably know less about your mother, who was an actress in her own right, Marion Marshall. Mm -hmm. And she was part of the early studio system and was in tons of movies. Yes. So um, a lot of people, you're very correct, David. A lot of people are familiar with my dad. So for people who don't know, it's uh, Robert Wagner, Jonathan Hart. Number two, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> heart to he, heart. He answers to daddy to for me, but um, heart to heart. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things. Uh, and he's doing terrific. He's 91 now living in. Wow. Uh, he has a little, uh, an apartment in LA, a condo, but he, he lives in Colorado. Mm-hmm. In the time that I knew my mom, 
she was always Marion Wagner. And then after my parents were divorced, she was still Marion Wagner. And she used to always say, yeah, Marion Marshall. Oh, she, she died a long time ago. She's, she's dead. But she was in, a, in quite a few movies. They, they met uh, under contract at 20th Century Fox together. They were the same age. My mom was about six months older. And they were, as they would call chums, you know, hanging around the scene of whatever the scene was at the time in L.A. And they met each other then, but later got together on a, on a uh, more intimate level, shall we say. Nice. Were they both living in Los Angeles when they met, I suppose? Yes. So my mother was born in California. I believe in Baker, California, which is somewhere between here and Vegas, I guess. I stopped in Baker. <laughs> yeah, Baker's a big stop on the way to Vegas. Her father died very young, very similar age to the age my sister, one of my sisters was when we lost Natalie. Her father died when she was about seven and they lived on Melrose at the time. And her mother was a waitress at Dupar's at, and then ra- and that's how she raised my mother and her brother. Wow. Then, so she, you know, at a very young age was in that area. She went to Melrose Avenue school. She went to Fairfax high school. And we were talking about tennis before we started to roll where the tennis coach was, was a Jack Hansen who later went on in Beverly Hills. People always knew about the store Jack's and mm-hmm. the date that he owned the Daisy restaurant, which uh, was also a nightclub and has a lot of Beverly Hills sort of Hollywood history to it. Yeah. And my dad was born in Michigan, but he at a very young age as well, his parents moved West. He was sent on a train to California with a, when he was about seven, six or seven, with a name tag saying, please deliver to Black Fox Military Academy. But both my mom and dad each had a brother and a sister in their case. And um, he, his parents moved west, you know, moved west eventually. My, my grandfather was kind of a self, very much of a self-made man, businessman, steel business, all kinds of businesses. And, um, you know, my, obviously this is where my dad started to become interested in the movies, was being a kid of, of being in, the, in, in LA and a kid of the movies and being gorgeous and wanting to be discovered. But they, they both were, were in and around that whole area at, at quite a young age. My dad was raised in Westwood and Bel Air. Oh. His father built one of the first homes in Bel Air and kind of owned the whole, whole side of the mountain that you see on the 405 that's wow. much more developed now. But it wasn't developed back then, really. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, I would say we're, we're true Californians. For sure. How did they both get started in acting? Uh, my dad got started in about in 1949 he was born 1930 he you know he just he wanted to be an actor they they both obviously in that whole era they were fans of the movies so in my mom's case after school she or or weekends they would go to the movie theater on beverly boulevard in fairfax she and her brother while her their mother was working and my dad loved the movies as well hers was much more sort of a blue collar kind of thing his and my father's experience his parents were by that time what would be considered well to do in their in their world. Well, they probably didn't want him to be an actor then. No, his father. <laughs> his, no, his father did not want him to be an actor, and uh, finally uh, acquiesced to the point of saying, "You know, I'll give you one year." And he got some jobs in that one year. He wanted him to follow his footsteps into the steel business, which he was in at that time. He had many other businesses. He started by selling paint to the automobile industry and then ended up owning the Detroit Lions and and different things over the time. Wow, wow. A child of German immigrants and a a tough man. I never knew him. He he passed away a a month before I was born. Oh. And then his mother, who lived for, for quite a long time, she died in the early 90s and lived to be quite old. She lived at the Bel Air Hotel for all of my life in the Swan Lake suite above where the weddings are. 
Oh. And then my dad sort of had the foresight to see that maybe she would need maybe to have a caretaker at some point and have another bedroom. So he built onto his Cliff May house that he doesn't own anymore, but that was the place we moved to after Natalie passed. And we went to Brentwood from Beverly Hills. Right. And so she lived there till the end of her life. We all lived in that guest house. I mean, not only us, but it was it was a, it was a two bedroom guest house that everyone from my friend Julian Lennon, when he'd come off tour, he'd, they'd stay, he'd stay in there. <laughs> you know, friends of theirs, all three of us girls, you know, moved out, then moved back in. So there was actually that was the way at both of their houses, the one with Natalie and Beverly Hills, and and there was always an open door for people. Oh, that's great. How'd you guys first get to Beverly Hills? My mom, in a, her, her marriage before my father was to a director named Stanley Donnan, who was very famous at the time and very mm-hmm. famous, or uh, remains famous. He's, he's yep. no longer with us, which is okay. <laughs> I had two older brothers when I came into the world, eight and 10 years older than me. And my dad actually raised them for a, a big portion of their life. My mom had lived in that marriage on Palm Drive with the boys when they were young yep. and then moved when they separated and stuff, she moved to Rome where they lived. And that's where my dad and mom actually got connected, reconnected and got together because his, his first marriage to Natalie had broken up and he went over to Europe. At that time, a lot of the actors were working over there and his career had had highs before television, you know, in the sure. in movies. And then it was a low point for him in a lot of ways. So he went over there and he was in London sort of, hanging out with Joan Collins, who was his friend, and they'd done movies together. And I imagine they were, you know, doing what people do when they hang out and neither person's (laughs) married. And uh, they went to the theater in London one night, or she did or something, and she met Anthony Newley, who she came back and she said to my dad, you know, I I met the man I'm going to marry. But do you remember Marion? You know, our friend Marion, she's over in Rome. So over he went to Rome, and that's where they connected on a level. And she was very instrumental in his life in helping him when he did the Pink Panther in the early 60s. She was the one who introduced him to Blake Edwards. She had worked with him before. She, by that time, had really kind of quit the acting business. She did an Intakes a Thief when he was working. And I think it would be a couple of like a Peter Gunn and a Iron, uh, not Ironside, but the other one Raymond Burr was in. Uh, I can't think of the name right now, but she she had hung it up. Okay. And she was very beautiful, my mom. Mm-hmm. All of my dad's wives are very beautiful, very <laughs> strong in their different ways. But she was quite beautiful. So she'd been model, you know, trying to model. And she had some some good moments in movies. Right. The thing is, I haven't really seen all my parents' movies from, from beginning to end, truthfully. I've spent with my dad so much time on, on the sets with him because growing up, my parents being divorced when I was young, I was always, whether it was leaving Beverly, you know, when I was at the high school. Yep. He was shooting at Fox, heart to heart. So I'd go over there as fast as I could after school. Right. Before I was 16, drive his car around the lot, pretend like I was driving real streets. But I, you know, I was always with him. I lived with her at that time. I moved back to him at 15. But um, And that was because in Beverly Hills, if you move and your one parent moves out of the district, you don't want to get busted for that. Right. So I moved with him back to him when I was 15, and I, and I never left after that. Oh. As you know... When we were growing up in Beverly Hills, there were the railroad tracks that run run through. Exactly. Right? And then the four elementary schools, right? So we were, first we lived when we, when we actually came after the, my parents got divorced, we came back and we had a huge house on Alpine, 603 Alpine. Okay. For two years. And I went to Hawthorne for third and fourth grade. And uh, I remember my mom's rent on that house. 
how I don't know how I remember this, but was like nine hundred dollars a month. Could you imagine? And it was enormous. I mean, it was enormous. This house, like it was crazy. So, uh, and then we moved to the place I spent most of, probably the most impressional part of you know fifth grade through like tenth grade or something, in an apartment on Robin. So I lived both above the tracks and below oh, the tracks. Oh, gotcha. Was strange. It was money wasn't like it is today. The kind of money that's around there, but you know, people For had sure. a lot of money and. But some didn't. And I always remember knowing that, you know, my dad was a movie star, an actor. Right. And people would, you know, like he'd show up at, which grammar schools did you guys go to? I went to Beverly Vista. Right. And you went? Elrodale. At Elrodale, do you remember Irving the crossing card? Oh, yeah. <laughs> very white-haired crossing guard that was right yeah. there. My dad knew Irving intimately. You know, he would just turn up after work if he got off that day early or something with a smile on his face, surprised me at, at the flagpole. My mom, who I lived with, didn't show up at anything, was never at a gymnastics meet, was doing her own thing. But right. I was living with her, but she was working and just kind of not as uh, involved. She, I don't think, is, is, is probably the right word. Like, she didn't know any of my friends. Or, yeah. Was that tough to switch elementary schools? I don't know many people who did that. When I was born, we lived in Tarzana. We then moved to Palm Springs when my dad was doing It Takes a Thief. And then they separated, I think, when I was like six or something, six-ish, seven. We moved up to Beverly Hills. So that was my my first introduction to Beverly Hills. Yeah. Everything was impressionable. Okay, moving yeah. from a new house to a new house, like with the yeah. wonder of it, like where was the phone jack? What, what room <laughs> could be mine? We didn't right. move a lot, but... yeah. Weirdly, once I went to Hawthorne for third and fourth grade, and I remember, I can remember who my teacher was in third in third grade, no, in fourth grade, I think Mrs. Wong, and I remember she showed a movie my dad was in one time. Oh my god! <laughs> but I remember just that 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 one's a little fuzzy to me, Hawthorne. Like I can just remember a couple of days of it in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was El Rodeo, really, where I spent some years that were really important. You know, you, those days, you could just. You walked to school. I mean, we all we all walked to school. We walked. We rode our bike. Yeah. We ran the streets. We roller skated. We were all over town. And needless to say, at El Rodeo, I don't know where you live, David. We probably walked on the same route. I lived on Spalding, so. Oh, okay. I think that crossing guard was by Wilson's House of Suede and Leather. <laughs> well, Irving was rushing right out right outside the school, but there was oh, okay. leather. And and I mean that corner where I was just there about a week ago. And that corner, uh, which had never had a bank on it back then, yeah. across from Wilson's house this way where there would be pumpkins and stuff. And then it went through into CAA later. And now it's like some weird building that I don't see why they needed to build. That looks like it's crazy. plastic bubbles on it. I mean, there's so many places that I remember back then that were in the uh, the triangle on Lasky, where Lasky would meet Durant. Oh, and yeah. So- there was the co- coffee shop in there. And then, of course, there was Shapiro's coffee shop at the Hilton that you'd walk home through there. I remember sometimes buying in a new toe ring and sometimes maybe just <laughs> putting it in my pocket. I don't know. And <laughs> I hosted this thing with my dad, which was the 100-year anniversary of the Beverly Hills Hotel. And this guy did a great book. And I did a thing years ago about the 100th Jubilee of Beverly Hills. But before the hosting stuff... I have so many memories, visuals, and I heard you talking about them with Eden when when you were on with her. Yeah. Just, I wish that I would have documented back then the streets of just, you know, Toy Mart and Harry Harris. I mean, Harry Harris was there till not long ago, but my stepmother, Jill, brought up, she said, I used to go to a place, Pixie, I said, Pixie Town, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, when Hagen does came, but before that, Swenson's was the place to hang. I mean, there were always hangs. 
it was just, it was such a great little village. Nobody thinks to photograph any of these things, but that's the things you want to remember later in life. It's a lesson to have your kids photograph their town. I know. I don't, and even, you know, when I go to Beverly Hills now, which I maybe still have a doctor there or two or something, I, I mean, I, I definitely would pop through there over the years more than I have in the last since I'm in Ohio or since COVID or since I don't really get over that part of the hill because I did live in the valley for the, the period before I moved here. But I always still have this sense, even though it, was, it's, it isn't my home anymore, but I, I still feel like there's some connection when I'm there. Like I feel at home, even though I'm looking yeah. around, I don't really know any of the people and it's not, not really part of the world that's there. It's a part of you. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Um, you know, the, living in the flats on Cannon and just so much, so many great. So much. The, the, the thing that, is, that I was thinking about about Beverly Hills was when I was growing up there. It was it was t- not so much later, like in, in the eighties when I was in my early my early twenties and traveling a lot and jet setting around the world and yeah. part, partying my pants off. I didn't know. I mean, I knew that I came, that a lot of my friends had, you know, came from like big houses and had, you know, probably had a lot of money. I mean, one of my best friends, parents owned Shemenda Fair Jeans. The other one owned Peaches Records and they had their lunch made for them every day. And I wanted their Hebrew national salami, but you know, (laughs) sandwich, but I always had the dollar in my pocket to get for pizza day or whatever it was at the cafeteria. It wasn't like, I felt like we, I mean, we had a really special life. And yes, my dad went on to be very successful when he remarried Natalie and, and, and before that, but it wasn't, I always felt like, you know, we were, we were especially in our own way and people noted, noticed us and it was just always, you know, some, whether we were being taken to Japanese deer park or going over to the um, pony rides or whatever it would have been for, for fun. You know, people right. always knew who he was, but also there were people that had so much more than me, which more. is so stupid to talk about that because I don't think kids should be having that on their mind. And they certainly have more on their mind now. Um, yeah. than, than they did when we were growing up, the, the difference. But there was definitely the, the difference, you know, in the ones, of, the ones that were living in apartments with the single moms and the ones yeah. that were living in, up above. I'm happy for that. I mean, it gave us a range of experience that, you know, it would be horrible if all we had was the rich, right? Yeah. Well, it brought a little diversity to our town. It brought a single mom in, a, in an apartment. So it was kind of nice that we had a little of everything. It wasn't until much later that I would, if somebody said, where did you go to school or where are you from? And I'd say Beverly Hills. And even now, when I say that, I realize it, it carries this cachet. But even when we were growing up there, it, because it did feel like this quaint town, like from the camera shop to the, yeah. it, it just, it was an easy place to be. Um, yes, there was, I guess, excess that came for a lot of people later, uh, certainly growing up. And how you see rich people now is like on Instagram and, you know, renting things they can't afford even and like hundreds of millions of dollars. We didn't have any attitude like that. Nobody did. No, not at all. I mean, people weren't flying in private planes. No, maybe they had a Rolls Royce and we're like, wow, or, you know. For sure. And, and of course, and people would also always, when later when I went on down my TV career, yeah, I was saying to my son the other day, basically, it dawned on me. I thought, I got to ask Riley, because in a way, maybe similar to my mother, by the time I met her, that was like a, another person that she had shelved. Right. Yeah. I haven't totally shelved that person, but I, I mean, I, I pretty much have. Right. And uh, so I said to my son the other day, I said, when people ask you what your mom does, like, what do you say? Because <laughs> he, did, you know, he's seen me on the internet and stuff like that in the past, but I don't think he really 
knows I had this whole other life for 25, 30 years that yeah. was so different than what I have now uh, in terms of since he's been around. Cause I mean, I changed, I, I do something else professionally. And so, but I would, I was on a plane not that long ago coming back from my, it's about four years, five years ago, coming back from where my mom was living in Montana. And there was a young girl in what dolphin shorts had come around again. Just oh, I'll let you know that. And she was you know, freckle faced and probably braces on, but tall. And she was with her family and they were going to Hawaii or something on a vacation from Oklahoma city. So we got talking, like I said, maybe 12 or 13, very innocent. She seemed, and then she yeah. said, one thing led to another. Where are you going? We, I live in LA. Oh, where are you from? I said, well, I grew up in Beverly. However, it came up. She's yeah. like, oh my God, do you see Kim Kardashian all the time walking down the street? I'm like, no, that really no. wasn't uh, what was going on when I was growing up in Beverly Hills. It wasn't, and all, with all due respect, first of all, I think she lives in Cal, they live in Calabasas or something. I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't, but at the same time, it wasn't until I sat down interviewing Lenny Kravitz at, at some point during the early-ish, a little later of his career, that he looked at me and said, do you remember us in, I think it was Mr. Newman, I think he was a really cool teacher who taught life science at Beverly. Yeah. Um, he said, do you remember us in 10th grade life science together? And then it suddenly clicked and I looked back at the Romeo Blue thing and stuff, but I yep. didn't remember. Um, George Clooney he was like, don't you remember? I mean, even though I'm older than you, that we used to go pick up your sister after school and just various people that, yeah, because people will always ask me, Joe, you must have grown up around a lot of celebrities' kids. And in, in some ways, you know, we did. But as far as like at Beverly, I mean, there was Patrick Cassidy who went on sure. and Nick Cage, who was in my grade. Never remember him at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I remember him later and we knew each other, but. I, not at all, because I no. wasn't part of the drama department. So right. people probably asked a lot of your classmates that same question when they were kids. And they said, oh, yeah, I go to school with Robert Wagner's kid. Yeah. People will still say um, about my dad. or, or with, So I have my two younger sisters, Natasha yeah. and Courtney. Courtney's 10 years younger than I am. And Natasha's six years younger. And they spent, they were either going to private school when we still lived in Beverly Hills on Cannon. Uh, and then when we moved West, um, they went to, you know, Curtis or Curtis sure. or uh, Crossroads. And so people will come up to my dad or even to me and be like, I went, I was at school with you or I went to school. And I'm like, and they'll say their name. And I'm like, no, it's not. I don't know how they could confuse me with Natasha. We're, we're right. You know, not quite look alike. She's no. They, they just know that it was Robert Wagner's kid somehow, but sometimes they don't. They don't get it. Get the right one. And my dad, will, with con great conviction, will be like, oh, "I saw so and so. So they went to school with you, and they know you." And I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> Your dad remarries Natalie Wood, and you're about eight years old. Yes, they got married. Uh, they got back together in in sort of the in December of 1971. So uh, I met her on my dad's birthday, February 10th, 1972, and they were remarried by July 16th, 1972. Wow. So you get a new stepmom. Does that rock your world or help your world? I So I get my first stepmom in that case. And yeah, uh, and I always refer to her um, as my as my stepmother. And whereas, I mean, I sometimes will say about Jill, my stepmother, but I, I've always felt she's Jill or my dad's wife and no disrespect or anything. It's yep. just now that that was Natalie's name, you know, when people, and when I talk about her to Natasha and Courtney, uh, they called her mommy. And so I'll, I don't call, wouldn't call her that, but I, I refer to her as mommy. So, when I'm so you called her Natalie instead yeah. of like um, how Natasha might've called your dad, daddy, daddy yeah. Wagner. Yeah. Like, and she would, doesn't refer to him as daddy Wagner. She just, when she's talking to him, 
or with us, but to define to other people like, or gotcha. more, even more so when Richard, he, he passed just a little a year or two ago, her, her dad, but more she would say to me like, oh, I talked to daddy Gregson. Whereas if she says daddy, oh, or a lot of times she'll be like my dad. And I'm like, oh, oh your, your dad, you're talking about yeah. your dad to me. She'll talk me talking about RJ, like my, and she'll go, my dad. I'm like, oh, right. is he our dad or, or your dad? Right. <laughs> but we, I got we, you. we all come from, you know, the different heart shapes. But there's, I've never felt since I got sisters. So Natalie Wood came with a daughter, and that's Natasha. Yes. Yeah, so Natasha was under two when I met her. Um, Natalie was living in, in on Bentley and Westwood at the time, Valerie Westwood. And so she was um, about well, a year, about 18 months old. Um, mm. And then Courtney came along in 1974. And before that, I had my two brothers, Josh and Peter Donnan, who were, like I said, eight and 10 years, roughly, sometimes it's seven and nine. Uh, my eldest brother, Peter, we lost when uh, after he turned, just after he turned 50, which is now like 15 or 16 so or years old. Thank you, yeah, it was it was a shock, sudden heart attack. I remember when my dad turned 50 and had a surprise party at the bistro, but I remember talking to him and him feeling a little unsettled about 50, and here I am like well into my 50s, and my other brother, Josh, is well into his 60s, and now to me it's so and that's something too that I think is pretty been pretty trippy uh for Natasha and Courtney now to their I mean their mom I swear I think she was with social media we've really been able to see how popular she remains some oh, of yeah. which I think had the silver lining of the negative press and tabloid press over the last almost 40 years now is that she's remained in people's she people know her name and so she's very popular and and when my sister launched fragrance and different things brands yeah. and then the documentary recently i mean there's all these people out there and i swear i think she was more photographed than any other woman ever i mean more than jackie o more than oh. Diana, more than marilyn monroe because I, I just see new pictures of her i'm like what i we've and we have a lot of oh i'm stuff, sure but unbelievable but and it was just a beautiful gift for people that lose you know parents uh especially when they're young to be able to have all the stuff that lives on but to be so much older now they both are than she was than she lived to be she yeah, yeah. and she, she was 43 would have been 44 43 sounded sort of but she was mature a mature person she'd had such a full life she and, lived a life yeah i mean she had a very full life very full. it was cut short i'm thinking i'm way older than 43 and Never a day in my life have I had my life as together as she did with, with so many things. She was a very shrewd businesswoman and stuff. But she, uh, and she so the, so it was to answer your question about was it difficult or or cool yeah. or whatever. I think David answered asked about it. Um, I remember being extremely excited by meeting this person who before I I didn't know who she was. I didn't know the magnitude of her stardom at all. Right. Was, mm -hmm. I mean, I was young. I was. Uh, not even eight years old yet. Hey, you're a little girl. But what I was mesmerized by was that she was so different than my mom. She was so cool because a she was younger, but she was it was the early seventies, and like I just I, I didn't maybe I did then fit into her like platform, you know, clogs and different shoes, and the, it was just she must have had a great closet to raise. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine. When we moved to Cannon Drive, I mean, I, with the second they closed the door to go out for dinner, I was in that closet <laughs> every night trying to. Of all the things that, that they, I mean, they got a lot of things left to them by their mom and we have a lot of her treasures sure. and stuff. But the one thing that wasn't, because it was just not thought of at that 
time that she was going to go or whatever. She left her clothes to her sister. And oh. uh, I, I, I know those clothes so well. Another place, great yeah. place in Beverly Hills was what then she left all those 70s jeans was and 80s ones um, was uh, Mr. Mike. And she, she would, we would go to, it was down on South Beverly Drive and they had yeah. double zipper jeans. And so she had yeah. a great jean collection that that my sisters would have looked so great in her clothes once they grew up. That's a shame. It's water under the bridge, but it is. It, I, because I knew those clothes because I was always like trying to fit into them by that time because I was 15, 16, 17 when I'm talking about, when I moved to, with them to Cannon Drive. Right. And I really loved living with my dad and Natalie for a change because they had such much more of a home, yeah. homey situation. And so, I, and I didn't think any, that it bothered my mom too much. I mean, I remember when I said to her, I'd really like to go and live with my dad. Because I came mm-hmm. back to live with her and dry, and she was in West Hollywood by that time. You're 16 by then, so you're a lot older yeah. to make that decision. It was she was living in a little house on Rosewood behind the old ICM CMA oh, yeah. building, just between Robertson and Doheny. And I, I made it only for like a month or two at the beginning of I think it was 11th grade, and I was and she had to go on another buying trip for her store. She didn't remember that part, and in the latter part of her life, she did have some d- dementia and stuff. And she, it was only then that she would say to me often, "You know, you just when you told me you wanted to live with your dad, you left me. You broke my heart." She oh. never told me that back then, and oh. I didn't. I don't remember it being a big drama. Yeah. And it was really cool when I did move there, move back there permanently, and discussed it with them because my brother Josh, who I always had been adored, was also living there in their guest house. So we both moved oh. in there in, in fall of 1980. How did you guys all mix? Because it's all these different all ages these and and half this and step this. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we attribute this to your father? Because he seemed to be like, who brought, who was the glue that brought all these families together? Well, definitely my, my dad, for sure. And I have to say, when I got the opportunity to look back on Natalie's life to tell a story on Lifetime, you know, in the 90s, mm-hmm. I really got to revisit her for the first time in a different way and I and, and appreciate even more the family environment in which she provided for all of us. So yeah. it, was, it was, and with my brothers, both situations were so different, but my brother, there was a huge custody battle going on with my brother. So they, my mom and dad had to move back from Rome, set up house in the Valley. And that, that was when, I mean, I probably wouldn't have come into the world if that didn't happen, but right. who knows if my mom and dad were even ever meant to really be married. I mean, they were definitely in love at, at a time in Rome, but I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't uh wasn't a nightmare, but it just wasn't. Wasn't happily ever after. Yeah, I mean, my mom used to say, "Well, if this wasn't like this, we would still be married." No, you wouldn't. Right. They, they, and they always remained friends. But Natalie was his great love, and Jill too is too for sure. But uh, so Natalie really brought us together because by that time, when I, when I, when she came into my life, she was so focused on a family, even though she was still continuing a career, a different one, and you know, different paths throughout it, and very focused on the two girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course they were so happy to, she had her own, Natasha was her little dream child. Yeah. My dad had me and then they had a kid together and then they, and then they had Courtney together. So yeah. we all three have our own, our own versions of how special that duo made, we made us feel and our, and the family environment together. Sure. Well, where I was a little aware of people going, Oh, there's, you know, not, but I didn't know the magnitude of, my dad was always a, st- a star from the time I was born and was a star, from, was always and a good looking yeah. guy and charming. But but people must have stopped you when you were out at restaurants. And- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all the time. But I didn't, I did, and I knew, I knew the story of them and I knew that getting back together was a big deal. But I, at that point, I didn't know 
probably to well after she passed away. I mean, the, really the magnitude of her stardom and her whole story, you know, as much as yeah. this, when you're in a family, you don't, that's not what you're discussing, you know? Well, we've even talked on our show with people who had famous families and they talk about getting excited seeing Natalie Wood in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was a whole nother level. Yeah. I mean, she was always lunching at La Scala, at La Scala Boutique or, or dinner at the, at the big La Scala or lunch at the Daisy. I mean, they had their few places that they always were at, at that time. Okay. Yeah. Much like myself, who was very much a part of like the club scene and the rest just out on the town, like I said, for years when I could be. In fact, I was texting with um, a friend who I met in Beverly Hills. She didn't go to Beverly, but Jamie Morris Heidegger, who's family owned Kiehl's mm-hmm. Cosmetics. And now she has a skincare line called Retrove, which is amazing. Oh, I'm going to write that down. I was texting her yesterday saying, I've been, I've been thinking about you a lot because I'm going to do this podcast growing up in Beverly Hills. And it was, we weren't like great friends or anything, but there was such a moment in time that stands out this night. We went, I was 14. I, I wrote this story. I said, I think it must've been the summer of 78. Maybe you had been in boarding school. We all wore, she and this other girl and I all wore these plastic pants and our, and a leotard under it was the disco era and went to the Daisy nightclub and it must've been with her dad, maybe who was a member. Cause I'd always see her, she and her dad. And it was just such a, I remember the Stones song. Some girls was, was, I mean, miss you rather was very popular off the some girls album at the time. Cause it was disco. And so many things about that, that one particular night and and time with these three girls was one of those times that really stood out. It wasn't, they weren't my best friends or anything mm-hmm. like that, but it was such like, it was my first time in a nightclub. And I think yeah. from then on, that was at 14. I, Till my early 2000s, I spent a lot of time the world over in, in the nightclub scene. And so it really stood out for me. And she couldn't believe that I'd gotten this list of things right about the year and the summer. And she's like, oh, my God, this is a shit. you've got to tell me when the podcast's on because I can't believe you remembered all those things. It was, it was just, I don't know, I, I just have been thinking about so many so many friends. What was the transition to high school like for you? So the transition to high school for me was fine. The, the transition that was a little bit weird for me was, so I, I started Hawthorne and then we move over to El Rodeo. Yeah. I'll admit this. I, st- I repeated fifth grade. One reason was I was actually a year younger than everybody else in my grade. Mm-hmm. The uncool part was that feeling s- stupid and that I didn't yeah. do all of my grades. The, the cool part about that was that I had this whole group of friends from that when I got there in fifth grade that are still my friends or, or were in touch that were special. And then from that year, and when I look at pictures like of my 10th or 11th birthday party or something, and I see all them, same with when I was at Buckley, they're all like a whole foot taller than me and so because they were all a year older than me So because I yeah. started school early. So I can't say that that was the only excuse for why I stayed back. Let's just leave it at that. But don't worry, I stayed back in grade two. That wasn't very uncommon. <laughs> well, it was kind of cool for me to have that group like David Moran, Kathy Reeves, and yeah. and Lori Bloor, and this this whole group of people that I was friends with that were in that grade. Amy Engel, who came one on, I've mentioned her already. And then the next, and then the next year, I when I carried on in that in the grade with that group, it was a whole different group that became also my friends. So you get to the high school, you have a lot of friends. I was already like all over that high school before because I was living on Robbins Drive at that time. We'd moved from the Alpine house to this apartment on Robbins, which was $600 a month rent or something. And on (laughs) Robbins Drive, which is just one block right near, you know, off Moreno or across the street from the high school. Yeah. You were a block away from me. Like 
five of my friends lived on that particular block. Right. Ironically, my dad lived on Durant when he was very first got together with Natalie the first time around um, oh, in wow. an apartment. And one of my best friends lived on there. So, you know, there was a lot of full circle areas. I had crushes on the boys that were two or three years older than me. And I would, when I, because I lived near the high school, I could go over there after school and watch yeah. football practice or volleyball practice and stuff. So I already had kind of a big connection to the high school by the time I transitioned there. It was exciting to transition to high school. And I was on the gymnastics team all four years. I was going to ask you, what's, did you play sports? And I did because I'd started at the Y with a group of my uh, friends from Rodeo. I, I was looking back recently because of, an, of another reason. Um, I, I forgot that I had been on. I was on the team all four years when I was there. Wow. You must have been good. I was really good. I was self-conscious about my body. Having I was really a good vaulter, for example. But yep. having to take off my sweatpants and, and the leotard and run on the. But I was I really was very good. I because I, I learned to dive early on, and I, I just couldn't. I just loved to flip around, you know, for hours and hours and hours. Well, that's great. There were a couple girls on there that were really excellent. One who went on to do to do it afterwards, not you know, to the Olympics or anything like that, but I was good. I was, I don't know if I was an all, an all arounder that could compete that well at that time, but I definitely loved it a lot. Were there other things that you were into at the high school? Mm, I was into that. I was into to the boys of all different grades, just like crushes on them and, and the social life. I, I had no, I did. I, I, well, I did learn how to for my Natalie had, had this notepad that said Natalie Wood Wagner on it and I could do her signature really well. So that was excellent for having to write notes to the office. I wanted to get out as ditch, do a little ditch. Attendance ditch, office. Ditch, yes. The old attendance <laughs> office. Um, but overall, like I wasn't a great student, but I always wanted to go to school. Like I really loved the social aspect of it and all the different years. Well, I remember you being just super beautiful and popular. So you must have enjoyed it. I remember. Yeah. I don't know if I actually hit my my beauty back then yet. But oh, my I, God. And, you were gorgeous. Oh, you still are, thank but. you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, of course, when you think about those moments in school, there's all the different self-conscious moments and stuff. But I, I mean, the kind of fun I was I was having and the friends I was making and the memories that I have there and are, are, are priceless. That's amazing. I, I really, and each year, very different. You're all, you know, you're always discovering new things, right, in your teenage years. But yeah. it was super... I mean, just you know, the day you get your license, the day you turn sixteen, oh, that was just the best. And ever. it was, it was such a great place to grow up. Uh, it wasn't like that wasn't the part of life at all to me. That I mean, I'm sure there was psychological damage done with divorce and all those kinds oh, of things. Yeah. But my experience and the feelings I'm left with growing up there are just great. I mean, they're they're great. It was just beautiful. So much fun and so many different time times and ways and stuff and little naughties. Natalie passes away while you're in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the beginning. It was the beginning of my senior year. And it was uh, when that happened. I mean, you know, it, it just when I even now, when we look back on it or you see in the documentary, it's just unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for, for us and for the people, anybody who knows mm-hmm. any of us, well, it's, it's, Nothing like what the tabloids have taken on for however long. Of course. You know, we didn't have the tools uh, that we needed to have probably back sure. then that we, we, you know, that we, we look back on and stuff. My dad was still working a lot. And so the girls, you know, at, were at home having to go to school. I was out, I was out of high school and on my way to having 
So right before you started to kind of hit in the town, the girls probably needed you a lot. Was that a large responsibility for you to kind of come home and make sure the girls were doing okay? Was that a responsibility that you would took on or not? Well, ob- we, obviously there were, my dad People had around. an assistant who was very much like family. We had a you know, live-in person Help. that was that was the nanny. So it didn't fall on you. No, not that kind of not that kind of stuff. Good. Um, I would say that that my a little bit later after that, and and then to uh, you know my relationship with Natasha began to change into something different. I, I would didn't take on again a motherly role, but right. Um, they but they sometimes say that I did, but. I, I took on a definitely a protective dynamic of them that I wouldn't right. have have probably. I was Courtney was always you know she was I was always holding her when she was a baby and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas Natasha was really her mom's little girl, and I was we we hadn't even though we'd been sisters for several years by that time. Um, it was a ten year period that Natalie sure. was in my my life, but uh, we hadn't begun our begun our real like real bonding bonding that, that gotcha. until, until later. Gotcha. What kind of career were you thinking about while you were in high school? Or were you thinking about that at all? So very shortly after high school, I became interested because I had been traveling with my dad and I very close to my dad's publicist. I became interested in PR for a while at like seven, at like 18, 19, 20. I don't remember thinking what I'd do when I was in high school per se. I was working in retail in Beverly Hills. I mean, at JAG and my mom's store at, at Theodore, different places like that. But I worked in PR for two years at Rogers and Cowan at the Cannes Film Festivals, and that kind of got me interested in the entertainment business. Mm. And that's where I, when I discovered that I didn't want to continue to do PR, but I did do it. I learned a lot about it then, and I, uh, but I wanted to do entertainment reporting, not acting. I never really had an acting bug at all. You never did any acting when you were young, and that wasn't an interest of yours. No, I, I mean I did a little acting later, like minuscule and not even like more playing myself or something, but no, never. I mean, I tried, I tried for a minute to go to acting class, even though I didn't because I had kind of had a career on camera and my dad was like, maybe you should try it. I'm like, there was no connection for me with acting. Gotcha. So how'd you get your break? I was dating Dweezil Zappa, first of all, at one time when he was very cool. I know I wanted to go to the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> he was seventeen when we met, and I was twenty-three. And in those days, uh, I didn't think anything of that, other than I he was shooting a movie at one point, and his mom couldn't go, and I had to sign the thing to be his legal guardian on the movie one day. <laughs> but I, I somehow that my son was watching something with him the other day on uh, something about this Jimi Hendrix guitar that he has, and he and I so I said I was seventeen when I was dating him in twenty-three, and he, she's like, he's like, mom, that's illegal. You know, because in this day and age, it's just not okay. It didn't seem like anything illegal to us. He was mature for his age and whatever. He was on MTV and I kind of like got that kind of bug from him. But I I just remember I was was talking with my dad a lot about wanting to do what Barbara Walters did, right? Or do what Diane Sawyer did. Uh I wouldn't say I ever got to that point, but... You know, there was not so much competition and the hosting world hadn't opened up like it is now with for so many reasons. And he took me to the agent that handled newscasters and stuff. And he didn't sign me but at that time. But I remember getting invaluable information from him and then just finding an agent for that. And we were at the old Oak Road house in, in, on the west side. And I guess I was probably, I was back from Europe or gallivanting somewhere, maybe 23 at this time, 22, I don't know, beginning to be a part of the 
outside of the Brat Pack and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, there was the Brat Pack coin, but and then there was all of this group that hung around that that group, which was my sort of post Beverly Hills time. And uh, I, we did this show for uh, an interviewer called Meredith McRae called Born Famous. They asked if, if my dad and I would be on it because I had somehow become kind of an in, a little bit of an it girl at the time. Just in the British papers and stuff. I mean, I would, you know, if it was today and I was that age and things were like that, I would not have ended up in It Girl. But, you know, it wasn't. You'd have a billion followers on Instagram. (laughs) I mean, I don't think so. Because, you know, when I look at who became It Girls later, like Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian or people like that. Yeah. Not so much the same as, but uh, but anyway, I I, I was. I like to be the it girl for a moment title. That like it was it. it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And sometimes I look if I find pre- I don't know a box or something. It's got press clippings, and I was like, wow, oh, that was I, that was really fun. Where is that life? Yeah. And and also, I mean, I had access to meeting so many people that were famous. So, what was that time of life like for you? It sounds like an incredible, crazy, it fun. It was wild. Life. Tell us about it. So, you know, growing up with, you know, very famous movie stars in our home, like I'd come back home from school and David Niven swimming in the pool or, you know, Laurence Olivier staying in the guest house and other people the younger than that. But I mean, really big legends, Gregory Peck and his yeah. wife were there all the time for parties. I mean, you know, big time people. And then when I started my whole thing in the early 80s after graduating high school, it was just just a blast after blast. I mean, just so much fun, you know, whether it was, yeah. it was kind of like you started a party and the party kept going as, I mean, you were kind of like, you just became like a jet setter for a while. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I had my, I, I was working at Rogers and Cowan and Melissa Gilbert's mother, Melissa and I are three days apart, same age. She, Melissa Gilbert's mom wanted, she's just finishing little house and her mom was there because they were representing her. And she later actually went on to marry Warren Cowan, but she said she, she kind of set Melissa and I up on a blind date to go to a Phil Collins concert. And I showed up at her house in the valley and off we went in this limousine and she hid the earring she was wearing from her mom. <laughs> I mean, here's a girl who's making tons of money on a show for like 10 years. And she were 17 or eight, eight, no, maybe 19, actually. She's taking off the earrings. You know, she's walking from her guest house to the house. because She doesn't want her mom to see the earrings that she had on, which were like you know, typical 80s, big buttons yeah. with a bunch of stuff hanging off of them. And we just began wild times and wild days together. And she was dating Rob Lowe. And so that oh. was my intro. And I knew Judd Nelson because my I, my brother had been an agent paneling those guys. So that whole crew that was super fun to be a part of. And then it just went on from there. We were bopping all around L.A. All around L.A., New York, New York London, a, a lot of London, back and forth to London. I was living there. I lived in Japan for a while wow. on tour with, I met Julian Lennon, like I mentioned before, like in 1986. He was your boyfriend, right? Did you date Julian? Really, he, he was really my friend. We had about a four-day period where we decided okay. we were going to maybe, I mean, I did have a crush on him, but he was also my friend, and we, it was... I remember he was playing the Royal Albert Hall in London and we flew, I flew on the plane with him and it was like a four day, you know, but okay. overall we were really just friends. Gotcha. Um, and I spent a lot of time with the, with he, he and his band. I mean, they were in and out of LA a lot and we were going on tour and a lot, and a lot of other really cool people. I just, it was just endless fun of, of just parties. And so was it all sex, drugs and rock and roll? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I personally didn't find myself in a lot of like crazy wild sex scenes. Good. Like a lot of people, there was a, a whole nother part of Hollywood, certain parts that uh, would get a little more crazy, wild, wild and kinky. 
but definitely wild, fun, rock and roll yeah. partying, partying and, and just really, I mean, like I became friends with Grace Jones at oh. a young age partying in New York. Incredible. When I see Grace, it, even to this day, it's like, you know, you look at that image and you think you can't even imagine like you'd be friends with that person and there we are eating cereal and having sleepovers and it's not even weird. I actually seen her in person and she's like, when I was young and she's like, whoa, this is a person. Oh yeah. I know. It's, it's a trip. I, I really can't. I mean, I got to meet so many people and then of course, then went on to have a career where I was constantly talking with people. I can't think of many people I didn't meet so really after the Brat Pack time, then you kind of went back more towards your hosting where you, again, you still got to socialize and go around yeah. with everybody. I began my hosting career or basically during the Born Famous interview, which was John, I think John, Ken, it was, it was, we were in good company on this show. John Kennedy and his wife, I mean, his, sorry, John Kennedy and his mother, JFK uh-huh. Jr. Were, were interviewed on it. And two other, uh, I think a few people that were, were kind of cool with, was, a parent and and a kid talking about each other. And during that interview, Meredith McRae said to me, what do, what do you want to do? What is it you want to do? And I was at a period where I didn't, it was my early, early twenties, but I didn't know. I knew I didn't want to do PR anymore. I'd learned what I learned about it, but I knew it wasn't for me. And I said, I want to do what you do. Sound or, or the guy who was running the video camera at the time remembered that and somehow tracked me down about six months later and gave me an opportunity to be part of a Don Mischer series, uh, our special for it called based on the magazines M and W. Yeah. And they said, if you can get somebody great to interview, you, you can have an opportunity. Well, that wasn't hard for you. I mean, it wasn't that easy because I hadn't done anything, yeah. but Dan Ackward and Donna Dixon did it for me. And, and I interviewed them. No idea what I was doing. My hair was like <laughs> platinum blonde. I kind of was like talking like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I never was like super valley girl talk, but yeah, definitely like, you know, loose kind of talk and like not really, totally not having a clue what I was going to do. And then I landed on this because I did that special. I And then this channel started called Movie Time, which went on to become E. Right. And I was there for a couple of years. Richard Blade from K-Rock was one of the hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Kinnear started there, myself and, and, and a few others. And uh, when I went in for that audition, it just so happened that the – ABC special was airing that night oh. or like, or that the next night. Yeah. So after I went and had this meeting and stuff before I even really knew how to audition for that kind of stuff, I went and had this meeting, the owner of the channel. And right after I, I was on my way out the door, I said, Oh, by the way, I'm on ABC tonight. Well, that was good timing. Yeah, it, it was. I was glad I said that too. Very cool. That was the beginning of the TV career, which was pretty consistent until the, till 2004, when I left T- TV Guide Channel, I started. I, I started with that stuff and went to. I mean, it never blew up my hosting career. Yeah, but it was it was good and it was consistent. And I did a ton of ton of stuff. You spent some time at MTV, right? Yeah, I did. It was I was at That's MTV, fun. VH1, um, mainly filling in on things, getting a chance to do a lot of different shows, from Awake on the Wild Side, their morning show, to VJ stuff at night. But they'd fly me back and forth to New York. I, I, I launched a few channels and I really learned how to be an entertainment reporter for uh, uh, this company called um, Worldwide Entertainment News, which I was out in the field covering everything you could possibly cover. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't on here. It was on all over the world except for here. And I had a Scottish co-host with Throw Two. And that was where I really learned the most that I learned. There was Lifestyles, formerly The Rich and Famous. And, and then it was good. It was, I mean, I loved it. I, I miss it in the sense that I love interviewing people. 
Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know when I had Riley that I was basically headed for re- retiring that part of my life. But I, you know, I kind of gained a lot of weight and, and breastfed for two and a half years. And the whole world changed with social media at that time. And I posted a few things after that, but I just didn't really care. I didn't, I didn't care. I, I always was about promoting other people. That was a, right. unhealthy Hollywood. And right. so I just didn't jump on that social media bandwagon to that became the only way to get work. Yeah. And so then in 2008, I for- fortunately got into an area of, of the of the movie and, and television industry called um, in loop groups and ADR, where you just do background sound for TV and movies. And I really love that. It's challenging for me because that's the most acting, but you're not on camera. And it's hard work to get. And I've been lucky and gotten some good runs on that kind of stuff. And How did you meet your husband? I met my husband uh, originally when he first came over from Scotland in 1991, and I was living over near La Brea and Beverly Boulevard on Sycamore at the time, and there was a place called The Living Room where everybody hung out, this coffee house. I remember that place. He was hanging out there and sit outside in his Land Cruiser, and he looked like a combination of, not as hardcore as Billy Idol, but hair like Billy Idol, lips like that. But Billy Idol meets Macaulay Culkin kind of thing, and... So I met him then, but it wasn't until in 2003, you know, 2004, Julian Lennon was a part of this. I hadn't seen Julian in some some years at this time, and he had this opening at a restaurant that was where Bar One used to be Mm -hmm. on the corner of Sunset near the Hamburger Hamlet of this sort of Japanese fish, I don't know what it was called, fish a fish place. It was kind of cool to open there, and he had this party, and I went. And Leaf is my husband's name. He was there. And that's where we reconnected. We, we oh. met each other. And it literally took me about 20 minutes or 30 minutes to remember, oh, my God, you're the young Scottish kid who I used to always <laughs> say hi to that was sitting in his land, in his land cruiser and, and fly through the air in your motorcycle through the living room. Right. Because he was a wheelie artist at that time who had come off of French circus and stuff. Um, so we reconnected we then. And, and then Riley came in 2006. And then we got married after that. My dad got an offer. He decided to sell the house in Brentwood, which was a great place to get married. My, my He got married. My dad got married there. My brother got married there. My sister got married there. Nice. And so I was like, oh, we got the venue. And your mom's here from Scotland for, for, for the summer. So let's, you know, so we got married there in 2007. And that's great. Is your son interested in show business? He's uh, been part of a band, actually, that's had some pretty cool things happen called Frida's Roses. He just got lucky that he has incredible hand-eye coordination and and just a gift for for the way he plays drums, which we only discovered by him being in this homeschool group of kids that were so incredible in the summer. And so anyway, that's been been a fun journey. And we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But Very yeah. cool. I love it. Looking back on all the jobs and people that you interviewed, and you must be kind of used to celebrities with your <laughs> upbringing. Were there still people that kind of blew you away and you were really excited to see and meet? You know, God, I met celebrities in so many different contexts, whether it was on a red carpet, in our in our home, right. one-on-one interviews. So, so many people. I mean, I wouldn't say I got nervous and excited. It was just, it was almost like, it took me a while to get used to not being around celebrities all the time. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I don't see that many celebrities. It's not every night of the week. It's not all the time, but it, it always was before. And so, um, I mean, I, you know, the few celebrities that live up here, I, I don't see them. I'll see them around, but nobody, you know, you don't, I don't know them. But it used to be that you just, even if I hadn't met them, you'd be like, hey, I'm Katie. You know, you just, you just would immediately know, you know, make a friendship, fast friends yeah. in some ways. Um, so, I, I mean, it was exciting to 
meet Madonna a few times and be I'd around be that. that. Yeah, be around that scene. And she's cool. I, th- I think you pulled out the best one of all, Mick Jagger. I mean, I, like, good ones. I mean, I had a, I had a few opportunities to be around Mick Jagger, which was kind of surreal because I loved the Rolling Stones. Sitting at Mr. Chow's, having dinner with him, and saying, "Pass the noodles, Mick." It was like so. <laughs> So strange because I, I you, you see him on stage and you're and this man this small incredible man's commanding all these people and then you're back with him on a personal level I was around him quite a bit actually and I'm like that guy knows that that guy is his commodity and he you know he's interested in like how the show went that night and I mean he's a Jagger regardless but it's not yeah. yeah I had the opportunity just to meet and and or be very good friends with or just be befriend a little bit or have this immediate rapport with people, so many people over such a long yeah. period of time that it was, it was exciting for me. I mean, not in a way my dad is like, he still has an enthusiasm or, or he was a, he was a genuine movie fan. You know, that's what drove yeah. him to the move to the movies to want to be an actor. For me, yeah. I grew up with it or I grew yeah. up immediately in it. So that was, it wasn't like, Oh my God, you know, it, yeah. it was just so norm to me, but it was just also super fun because you, you know, you're just right. in and out of wherever you want to be. That's fun and doing decadent things and flying on Kevin Costner's plane to, you know, the South of France and just things that were just so, so, so flying around Monaco and Princess Stephanie's car. I mean, it was just fun things that are just were exciting at the time. Gosh, you have an incredible life, Katie. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It was just, I can't say anything more. And then, you know, my day just, so many the different journey in Beverly Hills from my youth to my you know a little young young teenage it was just great I mean, it was just incredible that wasn't so much about celebrities that was celebrities at home that were coming you know my life went on to be about celebrities every day with work mm-hmm. for so many years but there was always just a comfort level with with people yeah. like that because yeah. I mean every personality is different whether you're a celebrity or not and right. sometimes you have chemistry with them and sometimes you don't so sometimes it was you know, it was a good day for interviews and sometimes it wasn't, but it's more the people that were, were, I had complicated moments with, or I messed up with that stand out in my mind than, oh, yeah. than being super excited by, I, I, I don't know. Those things haunt you and they shouldn't. Yeah. I've waited for the right guest to talk about this with, but I think you're the right guest and it might take me a bit to explain this, but I think of your dad and your mom, both being old school Hollywood and growing up in the studio system. And I think the studio system really taught the actors and everybody there a certain way to act. And I think that kind of permeated Beverly Hills and became like what we know as like the standard way Mm -hmm. everybody should behave. Like manners almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just such a different. But for the for the Hollywood like that you're talking about, about my dad or Natalie or. Stephanie Powers or just a whole that whole group. I mean the training that they that they opportunities that the studios gave them back then you know my mom didn't carry on to be a dancer per se but I mean she did have to dance in movies you know you kind of had to kind of had to do it all and it was just a really great time to be in in movies I think for for them I mean it was before the the beginning of it and it was during the during a really super duper time yeah, it seemed yeah. like a very magical time. And I guess that's the lure, what Hollywood brings to everybody is the time that your family grew up is that whole allure of Hollywood. So it's amazing to even be part of it at all. Yeah. And then for my dad to start a TV career and amazing in the time that, you know, which was many years after he'd started his career, but in the, in the sixties for him and, and most of my life anyway, 
amazing, amazing to be around. And we love your dad. First of all, we love your dad. Everybody loves my dad. I mean, Who doesn't love your dad? You know, they, they, they made TV shows like Everybody Loves Raymond and all yeah. this stuff. Everybody loves my dad. Can I call him RJ if I ever meet Absolutely. him? <laughs> Absolutely. You can call him RJ. You can call him our dad. I mean, really, he, you know, my, my friends have relationships with him. He calls them on their birthday. They call and check oh, in on him. so nice. But he, because he's he's so well-liked and respected, I mean, he's not Marlon Brando actor type, right. but I mean, he, he was so liked and well-respected and has such great manners and great experience. And I mean, and what a joy it's been for me wherever I go. I mean, not to the market in Ojai, I don't hear this that much, but, <laughs> which is pretty much where I go now. But anywhere in that, that 30 years that I was out and about in LA or working, I mean, pretty much somebody would had met my dad along the way. And always to be able to hear, you know, oh, I worked with your dad up here, or, you know, my husband worked with him on, it was the gaffer on this. Or the, it, it doesn't matter what area, it's just always positive. It's always been a good experience. Great as a parent, you know? To think that he's been made out to be this tabloid monster is just so preposterous. Because ridiculous. And and I, listen, I understand. I'm tempted to look at other people's gossip. I I, I I have to remember if I catch it if I'm standing there and I want to read about. I mean, I really don't want to read those things, but like I might be interested to draw your attention. Quinn Stefani here and there and stuff. Yeah, I have to remember so much of it's untrue. That exactly. Well, we could see that so much just growing up. We've heard so many stories that we know aren't true. Well, unfortunately, yeah. they made that's the original fake news is all of that. And uh, somehow we're supposed to believe it, but it's not true. And to think that we could have had that, that they, especially my dad and my sisters, but all of us experienced that monumental tragedy and loss mm. um, that you know, the, the tabloids went on with that for years, but it, it took a whole on new, I mean, who would have even thought in 2011, it would take on a whole new life that it took on. And I no. mean, that, that limit, it's, almost, it's like 10 years ago that that was, it's been 10 years that. They're it, just horrible. It's to just keep- a whole new thing. That, I mean, I remember because Riley was in kindergarten at the time. And I remember like, I honestly thought it was like, like the, anniversary edition of West Side Story was coming out or something. Right. And it was coming up on the anniversary of one of her of one of her years because she died in eighty one. Never in a million years could I have imagined the monster that was was about to unfold there. But and like surreal I remember because I didn't want my son to pick up something weird or have all all the networks took it on because hey it's a bunch of free footage they don't have to pay for because it's all news footage. Right. But it just and, and then they realized they had viewers. So because you always know if you see people on the cover of tabloids Whoever they are, there's there's the top ten from Giant Princess Diana, JFK Jr., you name it back in the in, in the day to Gwen and Blake now or you know, Brad mm-hmm. and Jennifer Aniston or whatever it is. If they're on the cover, they're selling papers. So right. it was mm-hmm. like that story would just be it wouldn't always be like a cover story, but it was just always pop up in some heinous way or another. And then it just took on a whole new life. It was like just unimaginable that 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 actually there's a, a group of people from that period that that Again, the silver lining is Natalie's a household name, right. um, which is terrific because her movies stand up. And mm-hmm. when Natasha launched, launched the fragrance, she created it in her mom's name. I mean, she got the cover of People magazine with this huge story inside the untold story. I was like, oh, my God, this is genius. The untold story, because it's the untold story about the fragrance. But they just, you know, the magazine right. was clever enough to take the to use and to sort of take the piss out of what exactly. the, the tabloids have done for so many years, but it is a little surreal when people actually use the M word with regard to my dad. I don't want to even say the word. Ter- no, don't. Um, 
Yeah, let's just say it's the word they use in the beginning of the title sequence of Heart to Heart. But it was going to go along on the on the on the ticker on the TV when it was like, oh my god, and that that you know that was a totally different time, social media wise too. But really strange. It's hard, you know, to have your family have to keep going through a trauma and then re-traumatize. I mean, it's just it's just overwhelming and. You know, they don't leave you alone. You know, and it's yeah, just and, horrible. Uh, you know, for us again, we all know what what we know, and of course, you know, we we get through it. But I mean, is it my dad's favorite day? Hearing no. that stuff, he doesn't obviously read any of that stuff. But somebody always calls up and has to say something. Always, it's you know, it's not yeah, it's not a pleasant reminder. And but yeah, you know, with with the bad it comes the good. So it's. Well, we love hearing all your fun, good stuff, Katie. There was a lot of fun times. You guys watched the documentary and enjoyed that? Very much yeah, so. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And, and, and the book and, you know, a little bit of our research. It was just incredible learning about you guys. And I took away a lot of love from your family. And that's what I hold on to. I really thought it was incredible. Yeah, Natasha's book, what she wrote was a was a really wonderful mother-daughter story, especially for people that lose their mothers. And yeah. then the, the, the picture book that was done a few years before that. I, I find myself opening that one up if I, if I see a movie of hers. And, and I really haven't seen a lot of their movies from beginning to end. I've seen some of the big ones, but I've sort of, I have a friend who's like, oh, is you, well, your dad's movie? And I'm, she's like, no. have you seen it? I'm like, no, I haven't I've never even watched Well, they're it. great movies. Get on it. My kids won't even listen to my podcast, so... <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I haven't seen all my mother's movies. I, I, I just like from beginning to end, you know, I've seen, I've seen the clips and stuff, but. Of course. You should watch them with your son. I know. Or, or are we going to sit Riley down and have him watch everything about the no. whole family? There's too Never. many. There's too many. <laughs> he does, he's, he's not even, he just like, he doesn't even, he could care less. I mean, I, I, he's, exactly. of course he's seen some and he knows that no, no. Of is course, of course. Famous, but he's seen Austin Powers and a few things, but. Isn't that what's so cool that your dad's career is even relevant to us, to the young, like your kids, my kids? I think it's even that's so cool. Well, what was very strange for, for me for me was there's a period and I'm trying, I'm trying to think what age group it is now. But before Austin Powers and after Heart to Heart of people, maybe for about five years. That, and, and at that time, the, the studio execs were becoming younger and younger and younger and stuff that actually it's like it's weird for me when people have well, of course now that he's older and there's another another generation of people that may not know him because it's not right awesome, but but it's weird that people don't when they don't know him because i've always yeah. been used to people knowing who he is even if right. you just say his name yeah that if actually what i'm like whoa that's really <laughs> weird that's because and that will eventually be like that because you know yeah not everybody is uh that, that's what's incredible about Natalie. I mean, it's not only because she passed away at, at that no. certain time, but it's it's with with all the fans that are out there and that have because there's been a res, resurgence a little bit for all different reasons. Um, that just how how well her how many fan. I mean, a lot of people were just are forgotten that are as big as stars as that. I mean, I, I don't even think Elizabeth Taylor is someone who paid people. No way. Not like Natalie, Natalie would. I mean, I, I, I remember saying on this thing on TCM earlier in the year, I was like, wow, it's been a really weird year for a lot of people, but a great year for Natalie. I mean, you know, she's like all over TCM. It's, it's Natalie Wood Week, the documentary. I mean, just really, you know, she's just as, she would be thrilled and very proud of herself that, pe- that people are still still liking all the stuff she did. Well, I think a lot has to do with how great she was a, a businesswoman and choosing her roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a talent. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Katie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, and good luck with the rest of the journey on growing up in Beverly Hills. Katie, your life is incredible. Your journey is incredible. We're so honored to have you today and just seeing you from school till now. And it was just a pleasure having you speak with us. Thank you so much. Bye, Katie. Bye. Bye, you guys. Take care. Take care. Thanks. It's the breakdown, David. It is. What do we have today to break down? Let's start with a classic L.A. coffee shop, Dupar's. Oh, yeah. Dupar's, one of my favorites. It was opened in 1938, and it was a chain around Los Angeles. They were very famous for their pies and pancakes. And actually, the one in Farmer's Market is still around today. And we love Dupar's. You can still enjoy breakfast there. And a hot cup of coffee. Katie's grandmother was a waitress there. She sure was. Another restaurant is the Daisy, which started as a restaurant and became a hot night spot. It was actually kind of cool because it bloomed in 1962 and is one of the very first only members, you had to pay to join, members only discos. And it was a hot rockin' spot by night. And during the day, they served food and breakfast and salads and sandwiches and a great place to eat by day. And it was owned by Jack Hansen. And he also owned this cool clothing store in Beverly Hills called Jack's. J-A-X clothing store. Yeah. Jack Hansen sounds like a really interesting guy. According to Katie, he taught tennis, but he also played some minor league baseball. I wonder how he became such a success. I am a real entrepreneur. She also hung out with Dweezil Zappa. And I think, David, you mentioned you have something to say about Dweezil. It was during the early 90s. And I wanted an old 80s BMW. So I bought one on something like Craigslist or one of those auto trader newspapers. And it turned out that the owner of this car was once Dweezil Zappa. Very small world. But I ended up buying it from the second owner, which was Ellen Barkin, who bought it from Dweezil Zappa. That's a super small world. It was a real growing up Beverly Hills car from start to finish. It was. I love that car. It was purple. Oh, very cool. And you also have another thing in common that Katie mentioned was the living room, which is another place that you frequented as well. Yeah. In my 20s, I lived kind of the mid-Wilshire area and coffee shops were kind of getting cool. Uh, It wasn't just all bars. People were starting to hang out. There was insomnia. And the living room, which were two big hangouts, and the living room was right around the corner from my apartment, so I spent a ton of time there. Very fun, very fun. And she also mentioned that Brat Pack, and they were the people in the 80s, like Rob Lowe and Demi Moore and Judd Nelson and all these cool Hollywood people that were actors. And They've forgotten the Brat Pack? I don't know, but Katie hung out with them, so that's super cool. She was friends with them and kind of Brat Packed around the world. I thought that was very cool. That's the coolest. Everybody yeah. would have wanted to be a member of the Brat Pack. Yeah, exactly. So Katie was, and we can break that down. Yeah. We just did. <laughs> Some of the people in Katie's family tree are even though they're very famous, aren't as well-known as, let's say, her father. Uh, One is Stanley Donnan, who was married to her mother before her mother married Katie's dad, Robert. Or, as I like to say, RJ. I got permission. (laughs) You did. Stanley Donnan was a, a big director. He started off as a choreographer and then did movies like Singing in the Rain and Funny Face. 
And then Natalie Wood was married in between the two times she was married to Robert Wagner to Richard Gregson. And he was a big time talent agent and a film producer. And the two of them produced Katie's sister, Natasha Gregson Wagner, a great actress herself. During the episode, you'll hear us referring to a book and a movie. And those are two projects that her sister, Natasha Gregson Wagner, did and the book is More Than Love, which is really kind of a love letter from Natasha to her mother, Natalie. The movie's really great. And that's Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind. And that's a great documentary that you can see now on HBO. Quite incredible to learn a lot more about Natalie Wood and Katie Wagner's life and the life of all her sisters and Robert Wagner. Just incredible family story and lots of amazing information. Well, thank you all for listening. Remember to eat at Vibrato Grill Jazz. I know I'm going there again soon. Just love it. We are going to go there soon. We're going to have a cocktail and we're going to have a lot more fun at Vibrato Grill. And it was so much fun talking to Katie. We had so much fun with this episode and hope you all enjoy. We'll see you soon. Remember to like, subscribe, give us ratings, talk to us on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us everywhere. We love you. Bye. Bye. So suicide has personally affected my life. And we like to mention at the end of our show that there is help for everybody out there. You know, I think everybody's going through a tough time now. And we don't want anybody to take their lives. Especially during this COVID situation. Uh, we've all been experiencing depression and hard times. Things can always get better. Everything bad now can get better. Everything can get better, and there is a lot of help out there. So please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There is always help. It doesn't hurt to call, so do that. You don't have to do this alone. There's always help.